Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you today? Good morning, everyone. How are you today? Yeah, I expect that when I come in here during the week and practice that nobody's going to answer. <laughs> but when you're all sitting in front of me, well, I can expect some kind of response. At least you're not throwing stuff at me yet, anyway. Uh, I know that I, I, I'm, I'm aware that that could be arranged, yeah. So how are you doing? Are you doing well today? Uh, well, first of all, are you even here? Okay, so, so I'm assuming that because, because God has given you life and breath, and I dare say salvation, that you're doing great today. Well, a few are. The rest of you, where are you? Pray tell. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Okay. Good stuff. Well, I'm grateful today because it has been said, and I echo it a lot, that any day this side of the grass is a good day. Anybody? Anybody agree with that? Isn't this thing, life, life that God gives us, precious? Yeah, and whenever you see the opportunity uh, to minister to others and you see the potential that they have, you see that life is precious. And God sees every single person ever created and the potential that they have, and he loves them. And that's what a good father is. Now, God has been misrepresented. He's been hated. He's been questioned. He's been accused. He's been looked at with disdain. He has been misunderstood. And he has been rejected. Sometimes by people in the church. And so today as we take a look at what a father is, and welcome to those of you online. Our Mecca campus is not with us today as they have uh, Pastor Chris up there doing a live message since we have a business meeting and I have no idea uh, how that's going to go, so we needed to uh, do something live here, and then he did something live up there, and they have no power, but they're going to have service anyway, right? Yeah, I sent them the same video you got to watch, but I'm assuming they're not going to get a see it, unless, of course, you know, God does something amazing without power, or the power comes on. So in any case, welcome to those of you here and those of you online. Uh, I want to talk with you today about the visible Father, and, and the scripture I'm going to use today comes from Joshua 24. This is a very, very, very short message. I know you can't believe it, but it is, okay? So Joshua 24, go to Joshua 24 and take a quick look at the first 15 verses. Here we go. And then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, the leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Notice he said before God. And Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago, your forefathers, including Terah, 
the father of Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the river and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there. I brought you out, and when I brought your fathers out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried out to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the desert for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, who put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, Hittites, and the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, and also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build. And you live in them, and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are serving. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Friends, as I began to think about and contemplate this passage, it dawned on me that men have traditionally been more visible in many areas of life than women have. It seems like the leadership that men have brought forward, the positions that they have held, and the things that they have done has been more visible. For many years, they were more visible in the factories, the businesses, the office, and offices, armed forces, courts, politics, government, and almost every area of life. And women were often found working in the home and were once much less prominent in the areas that men have traditionally dominated. But for the past few decades, our society has changed drastically. Some areas for the good and others not good at all. And I think all of us would agree that that is probably true. And women are now, which is good, are more visible in almost every area. I believe in equal opportunity for all people, regardless of sex or color, creed, background, whatever. Because that's the American way. And that's how God intended it. Now, it doesn't mean it's always been that way, but that's how God intended it. In the role of a parent, however... Many men have been considerably less visible than women. Now, I want that to sink into your hearts and minds for a minute. You see, I think sometimes that men may be invisible or seem invisible due to separation or divorce. There's a lot of that. In fact, in every relationship in almost every state, uh, the female is almost always given custody of the, of the children. And in some states, full custody. Why, I do not know. 
It shouldn't be that way. If a person is fit to be a parent, then separation shouldn't matter. And it should have equal opportunity and responsibility to raise the children. As Adam Mitchell was saying on the video you saw this morning, the reason we're in such a quandary that we are is because our fathers have been absent. Sometimes it's by their own choice. Sometimes it's because it was forced upon them. But the fact of the matter is, it is true. A lot of times, men are invisible due to this excessive involvement in work that we have. I realize that times are tough. And if you want your wife and the mother to stay at home, then you may have to work a little more, a little harder. A lot of men have more than one job. I get it. And in many families, both parents work outside the home because they can't make it otherwise. And clearly, this is difficult on a family as well as the children because there's just not enough time in the day to supervise, to teach, and to just spend time with them. I don't know how to fix it, but I know it's happening. Other times, our guys are involved in hobbies and other activities rather than being parents. Oftentimes, they're so absorbed in their jobs or community projects, conventions, and meetings. Sometimes they're in recreation, hanging out with the boys. Now, they may be invisible sometimes because they don't care to get involved in the responsibility of being fathers. And sometimes, like I said, they don't have any choice in it. But the fact of the matter is, fathers are so important into the development of a child. So important. And regardless of our petty differences in our relationships, every mother and every father ought to understand that both are paramount. Now, if you've got an unfit parent, I get it. I understand. If they're abusive, if they're drunk, if they're absent, if they're whatever, I understand. But even so, somebody has to step up and take on the role as either the father or the surrogate father. Why? Because our society is degrading drastically due to the non-existence of fathers in the lives of children. And you know what, friends? That's completely outside God's plan. Always has been. I think sometimes the invisibility that we see in our fathers is most evident in the area of spiritual leadership. And that's a problem. Many fathers are simply just not interested. Mothers have assumed much of the responsibility for the religious training of their children. I can't tell you how many people in this church alone in the 20 years that I've been here have stood up on Mother's Day or another day and said that they're grateful that mom or grandma prayed for them. But I don't often hear that dad did. That's a travesty. I'm grateful for praying moms and grandmas, aren't you? But we have a desperate need for praying dads and grandpas too. Amen? I think some have basically just jettisoned this idea of training of their children and let women do it. Sometimes it's easier. I've even heard men say, I'm the breadwinner, she raises the kids. Really? And whose owner's manual taught you that? Because it isn't God's. Amen? Now, against the trend, 
we must use, I think, the example of Joshua, who was a very visible father. He was very visible as a military leader of Israel, and he was likewise a visible spiritual leader in his own household. And as I began to ponder the model of the visible father, three things came to my mind. First of all, a visible father believes in a basic standard of morality and religious dedication. You understand what I mean by that? Joshua called for a decision. He says, choose this day who you will serve. Amen? Choose you this day who you will serve. But if God seems not, not good to you or you don't want to, I get it. But for you ask for me in my house, I know what we're going to do. What an example. So if every other man in Israel said, well, I'm not going to do it, Joshua said, but I will. And that's exactly what Adam Mitchell said on the video. Who will do it? Well, I will. Why? Because I'm responsible. They're my children. I'm their dad. That's the way it goes. You see, Joshua didn't believe in making up the rules as he went along. And sometimes I think we sort of do that as dads. Now, I realize you're going to get thrown off balance sometimes. Kids are going to come up. Situations are going to come up. And, and kids are good at this, too. They'll come up to you, and they'll hit you up for something when you're involved or your mind is elsewhere, and your mind's not thinking about what they're saying, and you're just like, ah, okay. And you find out later, shouldn't have done that. Huh? And don't you think they do that on purpose? Okay, who, who in here as a parent knows that your kids are good at what they do? They've learned, haven't they? They know exactly how to hit you and when. And sometimes I think they wait for this, the perfect time, and other times they kind of create it so that they can do it, right? They're good at it. I know that. I'm a grandfather. I know all about it, okay? But Joshua knew what God commanded, and he followed it. He also believed that there has to be basic commitments and principles. And today, I think many fathers want to have this flexibility, you know, to do whatever they want when they want it. Because we are building a society today that doesn't want to have any regimen. We don't want to have scheduled things. Now, I believe sometimes we can overschedule, yeah? No question about it. And the best vacations I've ever taken have been the ones I didn't have any plans. Anybody been there? But that can also be a train wreck. Yep. So I think there has to be, here's this word again, balance. Right? There has to be balance. For a father who is dedicated to God, you know, this kind of thinking where I'm just going to make things up as I go, you are not thinking clearly. Why? Because you are a reactor. You are, you are reactive. It's better to be proactive. You should think about things that might come up because there's going to be plenty that will come up that you didn't think of. Anybody? And so the father who's dedicated to God, this practice of winging it is impossible. In the movie The Patriot, if you've ever seen it, Benjamin Martin had strong beliefs in the direction of the American colonies right before the American Civil War, or the American uh, Revolution. And it, if he were a single man, he basically says that he would have acted upon his principles of fighting against England and taking care of business for the sovereignty of a nation. But when he was asked what he was going to do with the principles that he so strongly believed in, he said, I'm a parent, I haven't the luxury of principles. Why did he do that? He said that basically 
being a parent was more important than just about anything else in life, other than loving God and being a husband if one is married. Unfortunately, many men today simply just don't understand or recognize this. But Joshua recognized the necessity for strong decisions, not only on the national level, but also in the home. And it's pretty difficult, I think, according to Joshua, and from my own experience, to make impacting decisions in the home if you aren't present very often. Amen? You miss a lot. How many of you as parents think that sometimes you've missed a lot in your kids' lives? Come on, be honest. It's not hard to do. And you know that's not by accident. Sometimes we do it. Sometimes we're so busy, we've said yes to everybody. Who's the person that can't say no? Yeah, you'll help out anybody and get involved in almost anything, right, whenever they call. But here's the deal. That could be good and it could be bad. Again, balance. But the fact of the matter is Satan knows exactly how to keep you distracted. He wants to destroy not only the American family, but the human family. That's his goal. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your upbringing is. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter where you're from. None of that matters. What matters is we're all humans. We're all created by the Lord, and all of us have the opportunity to be his children. Amen? And I'm grateful that he gave me the opportunity. But I have to tell you, before I came to Christ and before I understood the owner's manner for human life and the word of God, I had a wrong idea and a skewered idea of what parenthood really is. And I didn't learn what being a father meant until I became a man of God. You can't. Because you will guess and take the authority of society on what a human father ought to be. And it's wrong. And who do you suppose is behind that? Why are so many men home but not present? Because Satan doesn't want men to be fathers. And so he'll help you decide to do what suits you rather than embracing the responsibility of being a great dad. Because that's what he does. And as a church, we're going to have to support and honor fathers like Joshua who maintain a basic standard of faith and life. Those who have made a commitment to Christ and who live by that commitment. You see, this is the most amazing commitment that anybody can make as evidenced in the movie Courageous that we just saw a clip from. These men can easily tell the difference between what's popular and what's right. Amen? They can tell the difference between what God commands and what society demands. Amen? And they can tell the difference between eternal values and societal normalcy. Which I have to tell you, what society says is normal is not normal to me. But if I didn't have the Word of God, the Holy Spirit inside me, I probably wouldn't think twice about it because that's the way things are. And the Word of God says, and yet that's not the way things ought to be. Amen? And who's changed it? Well, if God set the standard, who's changed the standard? Satan has. And he continues to do it. You see, these are the men, friends, who will stand. These are the men who demand that godly ideals are followed in, their, in government, in society, in business, and particularly in their home. The Bible says if, if you can't take care of things at home, how are you going to take care of things in the church? Amen? True. Secondly, a visible father will make unpopular choices <laughs> and unpopular decisions. Joshua was willing to take an unpopular stand. I have to tell you, some people like controversy, and our ladies are involved in a, in a ladies' Bible study that does a personality test on people. And it, it will probably shock you if you take it. 
And I, I like it so much that I'm going to implement it now in our membership classes along with the spiritual gifts test that we take. Because I think we need to know who we are. And I found that what you think you are, the test will show you you are not. Ladies, how, how accurate am I? Pretty accurate. Okay. That means some people are posing. Is it possible that sometimes we pose as Christians? I think it is. I think it is. And that's exactly what we're trying to dis dispel here. Joshua says, choose this day who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, this is what we're going to do. His choice had already been made. It wasn't dependent on what everybody else in Israel said they were going to do. He didn't care what they were going to do. He hoped they would choose the Lord. But if not, he was going to stand. Now, I find it interesting that many men will look around and see what the majority is doing or what their friends are doing before they make a decision. Now, why is that? Well, it's easier. <laughs> That's why. It's, it, it's, isn't it easier? Of course it is. It's much more difficult, friends, to make a decision and then to stand by it regardless of what others are doing. And it won't be popular, probably, because it isn't today. Because Christianity is in the minority. In the 50s and 60s, well, 60s is where it started to change, Christianity and going to church was the majority, and it was normal. Now, just the opposite. And it only took a couple of decades to get there. That means Satan not only is more active, he has more authority and power than he ought to have. And what gets me is, but Christ has already defeated him. Why are we allowing him this kind of authority and power? Why are we doing it? Because it's easier. Because it suits us. Because it gives us this fly-by-night attitude to make decisions as we go, to make stuff up as we go along. And if you stand, you're not going to be popular. And you might even be labeled as a radical or something even more sinister. Maybe even a hater. You see, Christians are called haters because we stand against certain practices that the Bible says you should stand against. And that makes us a hater? And this is what the other side will say. Well, if you're supposed to be so loving and if God is so loving, then why would you stand against that? Because God said so. That's why. And disagreeing with someone doesn't make you a bigot or a hater. Amen? Come on. I stand with the Word of God. And when people come to me as a pastor and they say, well, you know, uh, my kids are doing this or my friend is doing this, and they say, you know, and they, what do you think? And I say, well, I'll tell you what, let's go look and see what the Word of God says. Because if I, if, if I give you my opinion, it could be flawed. But if I look at the Word of God, there's no flaw. Amen? There's no flaw, because it's God. Joshua's decision wasn't determined by a majority vote. He was willing, if necessary, to stand alone. And today's visible Christian man, and really, any visible Christian. This is a Father's Day message, friends. It's a short one, but it's a Father's Day message. But the deal is, every Christian, all of us, ought to be willing to stand alone. Because I think the day is going to come when we will. If I understand Daniel and Revelation, and I believe I, I believe I do, I did my doctoral work in it, I think I know. 
And you know what? As much as I know, there's so much more that God knows that I don't. Yeah? And just when I think I've got to figure it out, God says, but I know. And so I believe the time is coming when we will stand alone. Now, there's an awful lot of pressure today on people, including Christians, to conform to the standards and popularity of modern society. Have you seen that? And we'll use all sorts of things to decide in our minds what's right and wrong. Politics is a big one, and it shouldn't be. Isn't God above politics? Isn't God above every king and every, every sovereignty of every nation that there's ever been? Well, since he created us, I would say so. I love this country. I've served it as a Marine and as a law enforcement officer. But my service and my allegiance is always to the Father first, every time. Has to be. Must be. And as I begin to think about that, I realize that there's a cost. If a man goes to church today, he's typically in the minority. So I applaud you men that are here today. And I ask you, why are you here? Is it because that your wife nags us not out of you until you go? Is it because you're afraid you'll get a call from me, which you will? <laughs> Just like I told my dad yesterday, you going to church tomorrow? And he said, well, it's been a while. I just looked at him. It's cool because he used to do that to me. And now I can look at him and say, oh, okay. You going to church tomorrow? He said, oh, it's been a while. And I asked him the third time. I said, Dad, you going to church tomorrow? He said, yeah, we, we, we need to get back. It's been a while since I've been there. And I said, well, listen, if you're too sick or you're too this or that, fine. Then get online and watch me then. You can, you can watch me on broadcast. It doesn't matter that you're three hours away from me. I don't care where you go, Dad. Just go somewhere. I would prefer you be in the fellowship of other believers because that's what the Bible commands. Okay? And he just looked at me. <laughs> and I thought, isn't revenge sweet? <laughs> isn't this great? Because he did that to me more times I can count, right? Just look at me and wait for my answer. Because he knew I'd dig a hole. And he didn't know, he's never been in this position before. He didn't know what to do. Here's his son, you know, who's a minister now, looking at him and just asking him a fair question. Because it isn't for me that he's got to answer. It's to God he has to answer, you see. And don't think I'm not going to uh, follow up on that, by the way. Did you go to church today? When I call him and wish him happy Father's Day. See, I had an agenda. Why? Because God does. And God wants my father in church. Do you know that the man who stands might be ridiculed for going to church? He might even be labeled. He might even lose friends over it. Or they'll keep him out of certain things that they laugh and talk about. And some things, trust me, you want to be left out of. Amen? Why is this? Because a man who attends church is likely a principled man. A man who follows Christ. And this will cause him to be very different than those he works with. Those he grew up with. Or even those he has become friends with. 
You see, Christianity has been known to break up friendships because a real Christian refuses to compromise his beliefs in God's principles, in God's commands, and in God's expectations. So I think we have to support and honor fathers, and in fact, all men who are visible Christians, no matter what others do, amen? Lastly, the visible father makes choices for himself and his family. And sometimes they're, they're tough. I remember, and this was, I, I didn't do this, but my wife did it. There were times that our kids would come home. They, of course, we had six of them, you know, and they were all very diverse, and they're all very different, and they're all even different adults than they were as kids. And, uh, and is, is di even the twins are different. And, and so they would come in, and they would say things. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, like I said, kids have an agenda when they come to you. And I remember a couple times when we wouldn't let them do certain things that all their friends were doing or we forced them to do things that their friends weren't doing or you know how it goes as a parent. And I remember they would complain or they would say something. And one time I think one of them even told us, you've ruined my life. <laughs> I'm pretty sure not, but you know. But at the time, that's what was thought, you know. And this is what mom would say. It's okay. You can hate me for loving you. And I just sort of automatically had to pick up on that because that was good stuff. I would rather teach my kids to write and have them hate me for loving them because eventually I think they will see why. And we always try to teach them the why. Sometimes I said because I said so. Particularly when they kept saying they, don't, I, they didn't agree. <laughs> they kept going on and on and on, you know. Either way, I'll tell you what I, what I love about it. We didn't do everything right, and there were things I would change if I could, and they know it. But the fact of the matter is, they're all over 30 years old, every one of them. And if, if, they, if they're in town, mostly they come home every Sunday for dinner. You know, there's something to be said about that. And I've been... I've been estranged from them at times. But I suspect that four of the six will be at my house today. Two of them live in California, so it's kind of tough for them to get home. But I'll bet I'll get a phone call or something from them today. And if I don't, well, they're going to get a phone call from me. <laughs> yeah. And I won't say a thing about Father's Day at all. But eventually, it'll come out. <laughs> But the fact of the matter, friends, is that we need to support and honor those who are visible Christians, no matter what others do. And the choices that a visible father makes won't be popular. He makes no religious decision for himself without including his family. You know how I know that? Joshua says, as for me and my house. Not just me, but my house as well. I'm not going to make a decision for my house and not include myself in it. I love that. Why? Because he realizes that he is assuming spiritual responsibility for his family. In many homes, this is left to the wife or the mother. I've seen it time and again. And, and yet in other homes, it might even be left to the children. You ever seen that? You, you, you heard the story I've told time and again, right? I love this story, and I'm going to keep telling it, and I want you to keep learning it, because when it happens to you, you're going to say, oh, yeah. It was a, several years ago. It was a mom and her kids at Rural King, right? 
And those, I, I'm, I'm not kidding you, they were probably the most unruly kids I'd ever seen in my life. It's like everywhere they went, the staff at Real King had two or three people picking this up, putting that back, because they made a wreck. None of them would shut up at all. And they constantly, asking for this. And then when they did, and then they turned to something else that quick. I want this, I want that. Grabbing stuff, throwing it in the cart. Now my kids did that too. Don't when you go down the aisle, when you're listen, be, be in the middle. Don't ever go to one side. I know it's hard for people to get around you, but there's a reason why you go down the middle. Because they, listen, they push stuff in there. You don't even know what's in there. And you get to the checkout and you're like, whoa. How do, what, where, and then, then you feel embarrassed to tell you, put, it, put it back. But I've seen some gals that go, oh, no. I didn't, that's going back. And they look at the kids when they do it. I'm thinking, that's right. But they're slick. They're good. And, and you know what? I'm going to tell you something. Parents, let me tell you this right now. Take a grandkid in the store. Don't ever, ever go close to the aisle because you don't have the guts to tell them no. You don't. I know you don't. Okay. I don't, so I know you don't, okay? And all Vanessa has to do is do this. And I'm, 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 I'm done. And I think, <clears throat> I'm going to do it again next time. So grandparents, this works for you. But I'm telling you right now, as a parent, you have to understand that you're assuming spiritual responsibility for your family. And that includes you. You can't say, do as I say, not as I do. And many do that. They may not say it specifically, but that's how they operate, you know. And I think in many homes, this is left, again, to the wife and the mother. And yet in other homes, it's the children, and that's what we're talking about. The children dictate what happens in the house. I've seen it time and again. This gal, no lie. Constantly told her kids, now stop that, Johnny. Now, Sarah, don't do that. Now, listen, you two, if you don't stop it, we're not going to go to Dairy Queen. I bet I heard it eight times. And here's the other thing. No matter where I went, there they were. <laughs> and they were just as unruly. And I'm thinking, oh, they're giving me a headache. I don't think it's unchristian to think that. I'm like... And this went on and on and on for the better part of 30 minutes or more. And sure enough, I don't know how many times she threatened them. And where were they when I left the store? Well, if you're going to say we're not going to Dairy Queen, and they do it, don't go to Dairy Queen. Because they know you don't mean it. They know you don't. That means the kids are dictating the rules of the house. And... Does God think that they're ready to dictate the rules of the house? Or is that your responsibility? Then why are you giving it to them? You are to be a parent, not their friend. You can be a friend to them, but a parent first. Anybody? Now listen, is God my friend? But he's my father first. And he doesn't always give me what I want. And sometimes he forces me to do things I don't want to do. And yeah, I go kicking and screaming the whole way. But he says, but I know the plans I have for you, and these are best. And so should you. Now, I've seen it many times because I've asked a man or a woman who's come into the church without their children and said, uh, you know, where are the kids? And you know what they'll tell me? Well, you know, uh, Johnny didn't want to come today. 
Who's the parent? You know what the response, you know what, you know what? <laughs> I've actually been stunned, you know, of some things that they've said to me. My response is, who's the parent? And then I've been asked, well, did you always make your kids go to church? <laughs> there, there's two, well, two of them are sitting right here. Did I always make you go to church? Did you ever tell me I'm not going? Did that ever fly? No. Did it matter if I was the pastor or not? No, it didn't. <laughs> nice try, son. Hey, remember those, those ear twists? I can still do it. Now, look, the day's going to come. I, well, he can take me now, but that's still. But here's the deal, okay? They always went. Now, if there was something, if they had a school function or something on a rare occasion, okay. But I told the coaches at North High School, I said, look here. I told Mark Frizz, and I told the wrestling coach, and I told uh, Chris Barrett, football coach. I know my son's one of the best ball players you've got. I know that. Here's the deal. You pull something on a Sunday, he won't be there. You do it on a Wednesday at 7 o'clock, he won't be there. That's a fact. And they all said, okay. You know, you don't have to compromise those things. You know. There is every other day to do those things. So why are schools saying we got to do stuff on Sunday now? Parents, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't envy you. You're in a tough place. But the fact of the matter is, it stuns me when people ask me if I made my kids go to church. The fact is, God has delegated spiritual responsibility to both parents. And if dad is in the home, then he takes the lead. If he isn't, then mom does. That's the way it goes. But they're a team. They're a partnership. And kids are good at dividing you. You know, they'll get you separated, get you a weak moment, and say, well, mom said so, or dad said so. Right? Even if mom or dad didn't. <laughs> or they have perceived that they did. They're good at that, too. You know, now I'm not saying the kids are manipulative, but kids are manipulative. <laughs> okay? And they, they know what's best for themselves, or they think they do. But the fact of the matter is, I asked those people sometimes, who for some reason don't want to force their children to go to church when they don't want to. And, I, and like I said, I ask them, who's the parent? And I almost never get a response to that. But what I do get is a diversion. They'll say something like, well, I think they need to learn to make their own decisions. I didn't ask you that. Yeah, I think they need to learn to make their own decisions, but that ain't one of them. Okay. Or, well, I won't, I won't be able to make them uh, go to church when they're of age. Well, then you're not responsible after that. But you are now. And God's going to hold you accountable to that. And he should. You see, whatever excuse you make up, it isn't me you've got to worry about. It's him. It isn't each other. It's him. God determines right and wrong. Interesting. I simply cannot understand people who think this way. And lastly, the godly, invisible father makes no religious decision for his family without involving himself. You see, it's not just making decisions for yourself, it's involving yourself as well. Two different things. Because fathers may say, well, you, you go, but I'm not going to go. You, you, you can't do that. If you make a house rule that everybody goes to church, then everybody goes to church, including you. 
Remember, he says, including me with my house. The visible father shows as well as teaches. He lives by example. And any rules in the house go for him as well. In other words, he goes to church as well as sending his family. Because I've heard fathers say, well, you know, I know, I know my family needs to be in church, so I make sure every Sunday they go. But I never see you with them. Wow, you know, that's for them. Really? So they need to go, but you don't somehow. They need God's guidance. They need the Word of God. They need to understand, but you don't. Well, what, what are you teaching? You're teaching them to do the exact same thing. You're teaching them that they can make their kids do things that's best for them, but it's not best for the parent. Well, in any walk of life, whatever it is, I'm telling you this right now. The best leadership is by example, every time. And as a military commander, I did that. I told every single one of my subordinates. Because I, when I was an enlisted person and as a sergeant in the Marine Corps, I found out that the officers, it, I had a pet peeve. And it, it, these military guys and gals who, who ever had sea rats. Anybody ever had a sea rat? You know what I'm talking about? A few of you did. This is what the officers used to do. They used to go rifle through all the sea rats and take out the best ones. Okay? Everybody knows what the best sea rats are. Okay? And you always picked the one with peaches and pound cake in it, didn't you? Because the pound cake was a brick, but you could put the peaches on it, it would be great. And so they would pick out the best ones. Ham and eggs is one of the worst in a can, I'm telling you. But spaghetti and meatballs is pretty good. Beans with Franks, that did not sit well with you at all. And that's the stuff that was left over, okay? And so I had a pet peeve. And as an officer, I said, I'm going to change it, and I did too. And every single, one, every single time that they would stack out the sea rats, we were starting to switch to MREs. And when that had happened, I would go over, when, when, and here I was, a, uh, you know, a dumb young warrant officer at first, and then finally a captain. And I would go over, and I, when, when there were you know, senior officers over there doing it, I'd say, hey, don't you think we all let the list of guys go first? Oh. And then as a captain, I said, we're letting the list of guys go first. And the lieutenants used to get mad at me. But the fact is, who are you to get more than them? Because you wear a bar on your collar? Now, come on. So how can we as dads do that? You can say, this is what you're going to do, but I'm going to do something else? No. It's wrong. And so be a father who stands up and leads by example. And change your life, because it's best for you too. And I'm going to tell you, your kids are going to see that. And this is what I had always hoped. I don't know at my funeral what my kids will say. But I would like to think that they would say he was the same person at home that he was in the church. And he always did what he made us do. And he didn't do what he told us we shouldn't. I hope they'll say that. I don't know that they will. But I hope that they will. You know why? Because then I believe if I've done that, and amongst other things, when I meet the Lord, he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Herein lies thy reward. And he's going to rise and smile and take my hand. And I want the Lord to smile at me. Anybody? Friends, the visible father makes a personal Christian commitment. He invites others to follow rather than simply mandating that they do it. In fact, he makes every effort to be visible in the home with his wife and his children. Leading, guiding, counseling, loving, encouraging, and even disciplining. Because we're kind of lacking there. Now, I'm not telling you you need to spank. 
but there may be times you do. And there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. Okay? I can tell you that some kids just aren't going to get it unless you do that. I was one of them. I know. But the fact of the matter is, friends, we've decided, because society says, oh, because Dr. Phil said, really? I'm listening to Dr. Phil or Dr. Laura Schlesinger rather than the Word of God. Really? You see, it isn't about your feelings. It's about what God says. Now, you heard me say your feelings don't matter, and they don't in a lot of things. Now, I realize God gave us feelings, and they matter, but not when it comes to right and wrong. God says this is the way it is. This is what you do. This is because I said so. And you know why I say that, friends? Because when Christ comes, two things are going to happen. You're going to be found in him or out. In or out. There are going to be way more goats than there are sheep. You understand that? The Bible's clear about that. Because one gate's wide and one's narrow. Why? Because there doesn't need to be any wider than it is. Which path are you choosing? Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to choose the sheep path and the sheep gate. You can choose the goats if you want to. But I know where that goes. You're going to stand before the great white throne of judgment, and you're going to be found guilty, just like that. Because what God says is what goes. Now, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I understand that. And I'm grateful that I'm going to be standing before it. And I also know that my seatage at the banquet table is going to be lower than it should be. Because I didn't live my life the way I ought to, sometimes. Jesus said that the very best will be seated at the highest place. And those who are the least in this life, you'll find we're the most in the kingdom to come. Because it doesn't matter who you are here. It matters who you are there. And you can live this life now for that one. And that's what we need to be doing. So let us honor those fathers who are visible, the wage earners, the leaders in their communities and the churches, but especially as loving and firm spiritual heads of their households. For not only will the kingdom of God be fulfilled, but our society will get the, the example that it desperately needs. Amen? Thank you for those of you online and listening on uh, our radio station for tuning in today. We're grateful and thankful to have had you. Thanks for listening to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. For more great biblically sound teaching, visit freelifecc.com.